The United States is a significant market for Australian wool given its wealth, population and climate. Back in episode 108 of this podcast, we heard from a delegation from North America that came to Australia and were shown around various farms and the wool industry here. It involved fabric sources, management and designers from the giant Gap Corporation, but also Lululemon from Canada. 18 months later, we revisit what has happened since that trip. Welcome to The Yarn, the number one wool industry podcast. I'm Marius Cumming. So obviously COVID and the pandemic has made business extremely hard for retailers such as Gap as consumers have just not been visiting. There are almost 3,000 stores to purchase clothing, but online sales have partially made up for it. This week, I met with the Seymour Wool Marketing Group in Central Victoria. Now, they hosted the delegation 18 months ago, and as a follow-up, I spoke with Stephen Kelly from Woolmark in San Francisco, who helped organise the trip, and I asked Stephen about what has happened since. All of those brands have have, uh, voiced to me several times that it was the most amazing work trip they've ever been on, Um, and they, they talk about it frequently with us and with their colleagues and friends. Um, And I think the biggest takeaway for them was just seeing how much hard work goes into creating a merino wool fabric or or a merino wool end product for their customer. Um, I I don't think that they realized how complex and how much hard work goes into growing the wool from the merino sheet. And so I think that that was um, very eye opening for them. And and also they. received a lot of feedback that the wool growers would like to know where where their wool goes and and what type of end products their wool ends up in. And so um, they talk a lot about traceability from a consumer standpoint, but they didn't realize that the a lot of the wool growers would like to know where their wool is going and what type of products um, their their wool is is uh, is contributing to. When we asked them all what their highlights were, they all said uh, meeting Neil in his shed because he was he was real, and um, so thank you Neil for for doing that. And Alistair took us to that wonderful property of his and had that lovely picnic. Um, so what uh, what's happened since Stephen? Because obviously COVID has has hit and that must have been somewhat of a brick wall. But uh, what happens post a trip like that? And what's your job after? having seen all those things? Yeah, so f- first off, we we had a very good, um, it, was, it was a very good relationship building experience being on that trip with these brands and um, and getting to experience the wonderful farms with, with, with them. And so um, I think we were able to create a relationship with these brand partners that um, that we we haven't really had that deep of a, of a um, relationship because of this trip. And so um, have been able to stay in touch with everyone. We had Lululemon launched a collection um, when we were on the trip, and then they launched one a year later as well. Um, and so we we were even though dear, even though COVID happened, we still were able to launch um, that second collection with them. And then unfortunately, um, with the the Gap brands during COVID, we had to put a pause on all partnership discussions. Um, however, we still were working with their product teams on fabric sourcing and development, um, and same with, with the Lululemon team. And so um, even during COVID, although we were pausing on a lot of marketing um, discussions, we still had quite a bit of interest from brands on sourcing fabrics and 
um, and getting connected within the supply chain. So we kept um, kept the momentum going there. Right. So is that how it usually works? Um, that it's uh, it's building personal relationships that uh, gives these sourcing managers um, and brand representatives context around uh, the industry, and obviously MuleSing is part of that. So um, yeah, where where to from here? Obviously, there's obviously there's been a, a COVID brick wall um, a little bit, but um, what where is it at the moment, and how do you actively um, continue to push wool into their collections? Yeah, so right now we've had interest um, from, from both brands on potentially doing farm to consumer traceability. So um, sourcing directly from farms or a region of farms and then telling that story and bringing it all the way to the consumer. Um, and, and a big inspiration of that came from um, meeting the wool growers and, and wanting to tell that story both ways, uh, letting the consumer know where the wool comes from, but then also um, having the wool growers be involved in in that through the whole process. And so um, we're in discussions about direct sourcing with them. Um, and then we, we've continued um, discussions about marketing partnerships and sourcing. And, and now that there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, at least in the Americas, um, with COVID, we're starting to to pick up those marketing conversations again. Yeah, it must be frustrating because uh, look, the the wool market in America it's a it's a market that's been very hard to crack for wool for a very very long time. How do you see the future in terms of you know, retail starting to pick up, activity starting to pick up despite um, um, COVID still you know the numbers are still horrific. And you and what's the role of new products in this? Yeah, I, th- I think that um, w- one of the or actually two of two of the great things that came out of COVID is that brands are focusing a lot more on sustainability and the consumer has really spoken up about sustainability. And so we're um, we're able to to really tell the story behind Wool's ability to biodegrade, um, that it's natural, renewable. Um, and so th- this is something that. Um, that the timing is actually perfect for wool uh, and, and, and brands are looking for natural fibers that they can use in their products. So um, wool is a, is a perfect solution for them. Um, and we've had brands that typically have, have sourced synthetics that are now looking into wool um, because their consumers is demanding more sustainability and more natural fibers. Um, and then another, another thing has been a shift towards um Loungewear, so people are wanting um, uh, jumpers and and joggers and things that are comfortable that they can wear at home. And there there's so many um, cotton joggers on the market and and so many of the same product. And so what what we're excited and brands are excited is that merino wool has performance benefits and it also is a is a differentiator on the market from um, everything else that's out there. That, that you know there's so many different cotton joggers. So this is a way to, to do something different in Merino. Oh, that's interesting. So your message to growers sounds quite optimistic with regards to Wool's opportunity in the US to replace uh, what is a, a big mass market. Absolutely. I think there's, um, there's an opportunity to replace both synthetics uh, from the natural side and then, and then, um, the, the benefits and performance benefits of wool 
is so much better than cotton that there's um, there there's a lot of opportunity there. Just in closing, um, you know, we've heard uh, just horrific numbers uh, of um, of deaths coming from uh, COVID in the US. We've been really sheltered from the reality of it in many ways in Australia. What's it like everyday life now that uh, hopefully a vaccination program is rolling out strongly there? Yeah, there's a lot of optimism. Um, I mean, prior to that, I, I think mo- most people we know at least know somebody who's who's uh, lost somebody from COVID, which is, has been very devastating. But um, there, there's a lot of optimism right now. And, and most people that I know have been fully vaccinated. Um, and there's there there's a lot of uh, a lot of progress and hope going on. So I, I think we're we're hopeful, which is great. All right, Stephen, thank you once again. Thanks for your work, um, basically flying the flag for wool in the US. And we hope to see you out in Australia again soon and to uh, continue good work. Excellent. Thanks, Marius. Hope to see you guys soon. Stephen Kelly from Woolmark in San Francisco, USA there. So Neil Harris is one of the wool growers who hosted the delegation because he was shearing at the time. He's also part of the Seymour Wool Marketing Group that formed 30 years ago, and he sits on the AWI Best Wool Best Lamb Network Producer Advisory Panel in Victoria. I've learnt a lot out of the Seymour Wool Group. I've uh, I've done two stints on the Best Wool Board. I did one stint in the in the late 90s. I was chairman of uh, Best Wool for for one year, and then I did a, a second of it because I reckon I could come back and offer a little bit more with a bit more experience, but. We've got a group here that's been running 30 years. Uh, a lot of the people who started the group are still in the group. At one stage, at the depth of the, uh, the industry being in despair, we had 62 members. We had nearly 3 or 4% of Victorian wool clip involved in our group. So we've, we've had a lot of people. A lot of people couldn't go the journey and so forth, sold out with old age and made transitions out. But uh, quite a lot of the group uh, are still there and still going quite well. And... Uh, we had a meeting there last night and the atmosphere is sort of humming so everyone's very happy at the moment from as I always say from the ashes of despair grow the roses of tomorrow. <laughs> so why are you so optimistic towards wool because here in Victoria uh, it's under a lot of pressure from from cropping and obviously prime lambs have um, have come in as well but uh, you're very much uh, optimistic towards wool. Uh, yeah like lamb prices are good you'd be tempted to uh, uh, to swing over and go all prime lamb, cattle market's good at the moment and so forth. Everything does its cycle. Uh, the wool industry's been up to its peak in 2018. It's dropped back, and it's still profitable at the moment where we are at the moment. So uh, you can go chasing rainbows, uh, but give me a bar of gold every day and the golden fleece. Yeah, she's a good bit of stuff. <laughs> yes, well, there's no doubting. There's no doubting your passion and. 18 months ago, uh, we're here at your property at Costafield, and we brought uh, some a pretty important delegation from America, or from North America, I should say, uh, a number of um, uh, fibre sources from uh, Gap Corporation and subsidiaries of that, as well as um, someone from Lululemon. And uh, they were super impressed with your operation here and your passion and the dedication you had to your sheep and the landscape and uh, the rawness of it and the care that you took towards things. Uh, Last night we got a bit of an update 18 months down the track from the United States from Steve Kelly that we've we've just heard. Um, What was your reaction to what Stephen had to say last night? Yeah uh, it was my impression uh, 
uh, like when we left here, we didn't have, when the Americans uh, left here, we didn't have COVID. So when COVID hit, uh, we knew it was going to be a lot of economic damage. And uh, the poor United States, uh, they've been copping a, a bit of a flogging with death rates and number of people with COVID. So we knew the economy affected. Uh, let's hope uh, things are starting to transpire, level out. And uh, yeah, uh, look, look forward to see growth. I know AW and I uh, were both uh, sort of optimistic and hoping that uh, the American market would open up as people uh, uh, sort of gained wealth. I just noticed there this morning that the average uh, house price across the United States has lived to 36000 So uh, that, that sort of confidence has got to be filtering through the economy. So I'm looking in the near future, a bit of confidence coming out of the United States as people start to get uh, their footing back, a little bit more confidence about their wealth situation. So... I'm optimistic in the future. Now, you're a big watcher of markets and you're uh, a big believer in in the cycles. I mean, everything works in cycles, of course, but you've watched the wool market cycle for for a long time. And uh, where do you think we sit in that cycle at the moment? Uh, I think we're sitting about the right place where we are. The market's uh, come up for a major high. It, It probably got too high in 2018, but... Uh, the fear was there. The, the processors probably thought, well, we're going into drought. There's going to be a shortage of wool or good quality wools. So they pushed the market up to, to cover their positions, probably pushed it up too high. We, then we had growers uh, who got in the position where oh, we've got a drought. There's going to be a shortage. So they couldn't accept the prices when they were coming down. It's just normal market uh, emotion reaction. And uh, Look, I think the market's in its right place. I would love to see the wool market get back up to around about 1,570. Uh, that's about the 50% uh, retracement line. We're sitting around about the 5 8 retracement uh, line at the moment. So it needs to hold there. Uh, and I, I think, as I just alluded to before, there's a, a fair bit of wealth being generated with all this fiat currency being pumped around. So, And it's starting to filter into commodities. So let's hope it uh, comes down to the wool industry. Yeah. Fantastic. And a little bit about your own operation, Neil. You've, uh, you, you have a self-replacing merino operation and uh, clearly um, you, you're enjoying it. Yeah, I am. Yeah, run uh, uh, 30 years ago, I run a self-replacing flock that averaged uh, 22.5 micron. Now I have a self-replacing flock that runs around about an 18.1 uh, thing. Probably still cut the same amount of weight as what I did 30 years ago. There, I run a, a heavy cut and fine wool sheep not your true traditional saxon type sheep and so forth but uh just concentrate on micron fleece weight uh good animal uh highly reproductive and it seems to work well in terms of your farm itself uh and the research on farm what what sort of areas do you think uh are going to make a big difference for you look uh i was impressed uh, i've done a bit of reading i i read the beyond the bale and uh drop online and have a listen to Maurice's podcast and I was really impressed last night to see that the work AWI are doing on the uh, the fly uh, injection or the vaccine for uh, to try and stop flies. Yeah, that, yeah. That that'll be a game changer if we can uh, pull that one off. If it, yeah, if it can, and that's certainly worth a bit more ex- exploration and explanation. I think they've tried 26 different um, formulations now, but they uh, they've got a proof of concept for it. But how it's done and how you know whether it's a uh, an annual uh, vaccine or what have you, we're not too sure. But at least. Uh, they're having a look at it, and it's another part of the armory. Um, how do you, how do you, um, at the moment, protect your sheep against fly strike? Uh, I've just uh, swung over my my merino weather lambs. I don't mules. Uh, I used to keep them to me weathers till five year old, but now I keep them till around about uh, 14, 15 months. 
so I'll get uh, two shearings off them uh, and they're gone all that wool is unmulesed um, this year I've uh, freeze branded uh, the tails uh, of all my ewes uh, so far good result I haven't had one of those lambs uh, fly struck and I didn't crutch them till they were probably eight or nine months of age a tough summer too it was a pretty and wet a tough summer, summer. Yeah. there was a bit of uh, rain around in the in the winter time and so forth but uh, it seems to have worked um, it to me I try to adopt the, the most responsible thing it's it's up to my responsibility uh, to make sure the animals are treated responsible and I'd like to see the animals treated well so then uh, the buyers have a bit of confidence to know that the, the system's working and there's uh, nothing unforeseen happening and so forth what it is is what you get yeah well that's exactly what the the gap um people that came over here uh, all, all said the highlight of the whole trip and we took them you know right across the industry and, and tried to impress them the most that we could at AWI at head office in the boardroom and all the rest of it and at the end of the trip they all said you were the highlight Neil you were you were the real deal so uh you know we might see you on a marketing campaign in the US yet okay well I know I did cop a little bit of flack for wearing the old Australian bluey singlet singlet out but uh, as I said to you Marius they come to see the real Australia, and the real Australian farmer wears a blue singlet. Yeah, so that's what they got. <laughs> well, it was hot, and it was pretty smelly, it's got to be said. But uh, they, they got the real deal. Well, Neil, thank you very much for, for everything you do um, for the wool industry and being um, a, a great leader on the ground, and it's been great working with you. Thanks, Marius. Thanks for your time. All yeah. the best. Good okay. Luck. Good luck to AWI. Neil Harris from the Seymour Wool Marketing Group there. Well, I hope you liked this episode. If you have any feedback or suggestions, please contact us at theyarnatwool.com. But for now, from me, Marius Cumming, thanks for having a yarn with us.